I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast that bridges the gap between goal sending, science, and peak performance. I'm your host, Jamie Phillips, a former professional goalie currently pursuing a doctorate in physical therapy and specializing in goalie performance coaching. Joining me as always is Dr. Ben Cernick, a seasoned goalie coach and sports analytics specialist. Whether you find yourself at home, on the road, or at the rink, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and let's drop the puck on this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of Bully Science. It's Jamie here. I am flying solo. So if you're listening on any of your favorite podcast platforms, it's just me this episode and I'm going to call this one attendee talk uh, and a Q&A. And if you're on YouTube, you're probably wondering why is Jamie's face not there and why are we just watching uh, a training session? Because I'm unable to record this with my face, just my voice. So uh, I put up a training session from my U18 AAA goalies. So enjoy that. And if you are watching on, or you're listening on like Spotify or Apple or, or whatever podcasts you use, and you want to watch a training session, go watch it on YouTube. Uh, enjoy that while we get into the pod. And with that, let's get to it. So I get this question a lot. Uh, VR, mainly Sansarina. So again, like I like to preface with sensory is something that I've never used before. So it's hard for me to give, be like, hey, here's my thoughts and experience. I've never, I've never used it. If Sensorina ever wanted to send one my way to sample, I definitely would. Highly doubt it. I think because, you know, Ben and I sometimes are a little critical with, with what we do. Um, I, I doubt a company would want to do that, but it is what it is. Now, I always like to point people to the episode Ben did with Dr. Rob Gray fantastic episode uh rob gray is so incredibly brilliant and he's someone that uses vr in his training with major league baseball players and that's because the technology is there it's something to use now the the studies and the evidence it shows it's it's very difficult to conduct a study on something like this because you have to ultimately take two groups and you would have to have one in a perfect world. You'd have one who is doing VR and then one that's not doing VR, but you would have to blind them, meaning you would have not take their eyes, <coughs> take their eyes away. You would have to make sure that the groups don't know that ones they're using VR. One group, no, one group that is using VR doesn't know they're using VR. And the other group doesn't know if they are or not using VR. And I don't think I explained that very well, but uh, essentially... They can't know what they're doing. That's the really the best way to to get an honest study. And then we call that single blind where the patients don't know or the participants don't know. And then, you know, again, another world, you'd have a double blind study, which the participants don't know who's using what and neither do the researchers. So try to eliminate as much bias as possible. Now, 
it's not like we can take a bunch of goalies and say, all right, well, you're going to spend this season not stopping any pucks, and half of you are going to use VR, and the other half are going to do nothing, and then we are going to see how who gets better. Because you can't do that to someone in the season. I mean, I guess you could, but it's possible that you'd hurt development. It's less, it's similar in different like studies, especially in like in like medicine and healthcare, where someone comes in, say with uh, you know a broken leg, for example, and there's a surgical operation that could fix that's going to fix them. Like you pretty you're pretty sure it's going to fix them. That's already on test, and you have two people come in. Well, you're not going to not fix one person because you want to see how much better the other one is um, because it just there's ethical things and so if you look at hockey it's a different sort of ethical um, ethical questions but again it's that's tough to do and if you could find volunteers that are willing to do that then I guess it would be a good one to, to offer same thing goes um, you could do a similar study with people using VR versus people that and playing in the season versus people that are playing the season without using VR. Now, the problem is, is the metrics that you would have to um, compile, meaning, they, you know, what are you going to check? Save percentage, goals against, that's something that, again, Penn and I love to talk about and how a lot of those stats are kind of flawed. And there's a lot of variance in them. And you can be, you know, save VR is this life-changing thing, a career-changing thing. But if you're on a poor team, and you started using VR, statistically your numbers aren't great because you're on you know, a weaker team, but someone who's not using VR is on a strong team, their numbers are greater, you can't, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges, you can't compare those two. So that's why it's really difficult to have any definitive you know, answer on that. Um, so that being said, I always will give my opinion on this. And this is actually something Ben and I go back and forth on because we, you know, Ben is a little more cynical than I am with a lot of these things. And I am sort of a little, sometimes a little more open-minded. Um, I try to see like, okay, maybe possibly, uh, could this help even if the evidence isn't there or maybe, um, you know, could the anecdote be, be right. And even though anecdote is one of the lowest forms of evidence, um, you know, it's still, you have to still consider it, but it's not the best. We prefer empirical studies you know studies that are done and published and peer-reviewed um my opinion is that using something like visual edge is probably better than doing nothing meaning if the person that's using visual edge is probably going to have more improvements in their game than someone who isn't using anything at all and i mean like isn't doing any training, isn't doing any hand-eye, such as just sitting at home, just practice, whatever. We can't say that for certain, but that's my opinion. Now, Ben and I have this conversation back and forth, but because we can't prove that, what if someone is just playing video games that requires a significant amount of hand-eye coordination and skill processing? Is that better than... VR is it the same as VR now we can't say for certain and so that's where the gray area exists and it becomes super nuanced and then this is why in academia people just argue and argue and argue and argue and then you get people in who are in practice who are trying different things and then they're finding solutions and things that work and don't work that sometimes go for the evidence and then sometimes go against the evidence and then people start to argue, and it's just—it's a never-ending circle of this, 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 this. Um, so that's where we're at. So I like to say, like, if you can afford something like Sensorina, it's not a financial burden on on you. Like, it's a—it's a tool you have. I think it's definitely like something to try, and maybe you like it, and maybe you hate it. But ultimately, if you use it and you use it consistently, it's probably gonna be okay for you. Um, would I replace on ice actual practice with VR? No, I don't think so. I don't know if that point will ever come with technology. It's possible it does, but that's for now. I, I still say like, if you're going to, you know, if you're, if you're up in the air between spending those, uh, I don't know the price. I think it's like, it's between dollars for the program, the, the headset and the subscription or spread that money out throughout a season and get 
get like private goalie training. I I lean more towards the private training just because it's the closest thing. It's just it's just real practice, and real practice is the best kind of practice. Going back to the video game thing, I, this story popped in my head. I know it was kind of a meme a long time ago, or when when Line A and Hellebuck were with the Jets, where all they did was play video games. And to be fair, Helly plays a lot of video games, but he liked to joke around and say like, "Hey, it helps with my hand-eye coordination." And there is some research that shows that, yeah, like it does help with hand-eye coordination to a degree. So I think it is funny. And is that, and you know, someone who has won a Vesna trophy and is probably going to win another one this season, he plays a lot of video games. Can you contribute his video game playing to his success? No, but you can't not contribute. And that's when we get into the weeds of things and it gets so crazy. It's so super bidding. So if it's something you want and something you like, that's the ultimate thing. If it's something you like, then do it. If it's something you just don't care for, you don't have time for it, you're not going to do it anyways, then your money's better spent on other things. So I think, I hopefully that summarizes that question because I get that. You'd actually be surprised how often I get that question. All right, the next one. Um, next one was actually from a goalie in my EGM program, and it was about... I think you just teamed me up for this one. Uh, how important is nutrition in goaltending? And how many calories do goalies burn? So, two-part question. In terms of calories, there's been a couple studies. Um, there's also been a lot of like people saying certain things. You know, they've wear, worn like their hurry monitors or different uh, measuring things, say like an Apple Watch. Or, um, and those aren't entirely accurate all, all along, all completely, excuse me. When it comes to measuring calories, a lot of it you need to measure the... Oh, I'm a blank off the top of my head. This is why I like to have Ben on the podcast. Usually he saves me here. But they're measuring certain molecules that when you, you exhale, different metabolites when you exhale, it gives you a really, really accurate amount of, of how many calories you're burning. So it depends, but I do know that it is quite a bit um, of calories. And with that, there's a ton of fluid lost. So I, th I think that fluid loss probably is the one most important and then calories comes up after that number two. Just because it's such an intensive position, we wear so much equipment and that equipment is basically like a little convection oven where that air has a hard time escaping because our gear is like locked in and so that heat just circulates. And so our own body giving off heat, which is circulating, making us hotter, combine that with the amount of exercise we're doing and now you just sweat 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 so there are like if you weigh yourself before practice and after practice like sometimes don't be surprised if you're down anywhere between 5 to 15 pounds crazy range and then you have to rehydrate again there's a formula by dr andy galvin a very popular researcher he's really popular in the podcast world in the mma world but he's got a lot of really good stuff and he is a clinical researcher at the university. Um, it's called the Galvin formula. I don't know it off the top of my brain. I've used it with some of my athletes before because nutrition and stuff is something that uh, I cover, you know, being a nutrition coach um, in, in, in the EGM program, I make sure all that's dialed in. But there is a formula that you can use that helps estimate how much fluid you need to take in. And a big thing here is with that fluid intake, it's not just um not just water you're looking at sodium magnesium potassium other electrolytes that you sweat out you need to replace those um so i i always say there's nothing wrong like just having a gatorade after a practice and if you're someone who's like you know concerned about sugar and all these different things even though you're burning so many calories and so much glucose or more sugar when you exercise um especially if your diet is is dialed in it shouldn't matter that much um, then have a Gatorade Zero or something with your water. Just get some electrolytes. I mean, there's tons of powders and all those things. And, and that way, especially for younger athletes and stuff, you can cast a wide net after a skate where you can just replenish that. Um, you know, the best, the only, the only real, true way to know um, how you're how you're doing is in terms of like hydration status, nutrient status, is to get blood work done. If you're a younger athlete, probably don't need to worry about that. If you're an older athlete and you're getting, you know, I would say older as in 16, 17, 18 plus, um, yeah, definitely get blood work done. It will tell you different nutrients, sort of vitamins, minerals, 
uh, macronutrients, micronutrients, like what you're deficient in. And this is hard for like a, like a family doctor who are super, super educated, but maybe not in the sports performance world. They're just going to look at main health blood markers. And this is one thing I love to talk about where we look at performance nutrition and like health nutrition and think of it kind of as a Venn diagram. You need to be a good, healthy human. Just overall, you need to make sure that all your levels are within that normal, acceptable range of health. And then you look at performance. Performance has a different demand than general pop in terms of the amount you're working, the amount of calories you need to eat, the micro and macronutrients you need to eat, the ratios of them. So I like to say that, like, try to find that middle of the Venn diagram where you're both eating for health and performance because the health is that foundation of the pyramid and that foundation's cracked that all of those extra layers that you're adding on in terms of you know supplementation nutrient timing all these different things it's it's not going to matter much if you are deficient so if you're curious um there's tons of online online uh, opportunities and companies that third-party companies that do these things whether that's through urine analysis saliva analysis blood analysis uh fecal analysis if you're looking at gut health um and then you can send those samples in they give you an interpretation uh, problem is so are some of those accurate i don't know so i would say definitely look at different reviews um do your own research reach out to other experts in the field have, then hopefully they'll point you in the right direction to a very reputable company that gives you good information data but to answer that original first question Nutrition is super important for goaltending because it's, we are athletes and nutrition is not only important for humans, but super important for athletes. You are what you eat and you need, what you eat creates energy and it helps you with recovery and all the different metabolic processes for performance. So yes, it is incredibly, incredibly important. I can't stress that up, which stress that enough, which is why I dial that in. And if someone has ever has something wrong or something gets flagged for me, I like to refer out either back to a primary care physician or a registered dietitian, especially if someone is going through something with, um, let's just like an eating disorder or something like that. Um, I get a lot of questions that are about like, how do I bounce back from a game? How do I do this? Do this, this? So I always say like, I'm not a mental coach. And if you worked with me, listen to this pod long enough or looked at any of my content, you would probably heard me say this and you're probably sick of it because you probably just go genie yeah i know you're not a mental coach but you played and you coach so like i need something right now um i like to refer out to an expert someone who is a qualified sports performance mental sports performance specialist or mental uh, sports psychologist because that is their role just like my role is both coach and you know be on the sports performance and re the performance of the body and rehab side the these individuals dedicate their lives and their education and hours and hours of learning and practice to help your brain and so it's always best to reach out to an expert and this is when something called scope of practice meaning it's it's big in like meta medical system where you know, you have certain roles and there are different laws and regulations that govern what you can and can't do. Now, do those things exist in sports performance? Sort of, but for the most part, no. So sometimes I, I, I you know, I'm not as heated on the internet as uh, I was when I first came out of the gates posting. I think most people listening now probably aren't aware of, of when, how I started posting on social media and growing that, but I was really opinionated and I thought that like I just wanted to dispel all the misinformation and etc etc and I still do but I, I kind of do it a little bit more of a gradual approach but one thing that does kind of grind my gears is when people that aren't mental performance specialists try to talk about that kind of thing um you know I can offer like what I did like I can tell you that like hey it's important for you to breathe on the ice for you to focus it's important for you to have like an anchor and hit your anchor um, all these couple of things that I did and like general things, things that are kind of like well-known, like, yes, we know that we need to calm our mind. We need to relax. We need to get in the zone. How, but like how to do those things. If there's underlying things, if you're dealing with performance anxiety, if you're dealing with serious things like, like depression, other mental health, um, 
other health issues like i can't answer that and i also don't know if you have those so i can't give you diagnoses on these things which is why again like i just say like hey i don't i'm not a mental health person um if you need general advice i can give you some general advice but reach out to someone and i always 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 refer like i get so many dms on this question and i i i actually have a copy and paste shortcut where it's hey like thanks for reaching out i'm not a mental health coach um reach out to them they'll help you tell tell them i sent you they're gonna be great you know good luck if there's anything you need technically or in the rehab performance side just let me know because that's my area of expertise that's where i dedicate my time i'm you know there's the reason there's no video right now is because uh, i'm on a route back home i just spent 40 hours over the course of four days um learning about the body and different nerves and neurologic systems and how to access them through needles and all these different things so yeah that's what i spend my time on so that's my focus and I, again like i can't it's just better to go to an expert that's why they're there that's why they're experts you know like you don't go to the pilot of a plane and be like hey you know can you tell me exactly the physics of this plane and how it works yeah they're gonna know a little bit because they fly a plane but they're not the person the engineer that designed the plays the plane and so again there's experts for a reason just like if you go to an engineer that design that works at I don't know bombardier or boeing or something they're probably they probably don't know how to fly a plane but they can definitely build one because that is their job that's what they put their time energy and resources in so know when to seek experts um ben and i both refer out whenever we need to and if you don't know just let it just reach out and we will get back to you point you in the right direction um again a little just i'm checking i'm at price funny enough, i printed out all these questions so i could put them on my lap um the question again I, it's like struggling with high glove i'm struggling with low blocker i don't know what the issue is from just the message like again there's no blanket statement or solution that i can give that's going to magically cure all your problems like there's a reason that i spend hours and hours and hours both in person online watching video watching bullies and giving feedback because i need to be able to see what's going on and i need to see it in different situations i don't want to see just someone taking straight shots and they're sitting on their knees as a tracking warm-up that tells me a little bit of information but doesn't tell me everything i want to see it in you know the play like i want to see the play develop are you giving up goals on like high level lot in practice but not in games or in games but not in practice so like what's going on and so it's it's again there's so many different things it could be maybe it's lining glove maybe it's your positioning maybe it's your squareness which is part of positioning maybe it's you're not watching pucks maybe you're focusing on other things it's just so again like those questions that i get all the time typically from younger followers and stuff it's okay it doesn't upset me but i can't give you good information that and i can't give you great answers because i don't have the proper information to give you great answers um this one why did you stop playing um i got burnt out is probably the best answer to put it um i feel like i should probably do like a full podcast episode maybe next time i do a tenny talk i'll talk more about my career but essentially i got really burnt out uh, and i got really frustrated with a lot of things in terms of how i was playing even though it wasn't bad but i thought it was bad how I wasn't getting opportunities that I thought I deserved. And I looked back and there were definitely, like I definitely deserved some opportunities and didn't get them. And I know I've said like the GM at Winnipeg told me that I earned opportunities and didn't get them. And like just, but basically the whole overarching, overwhelming experience started to burn out. I started to burn out. And I, because of that, I became, I became very, performance focused meaning i could only focus on like i need to play well like i have to do this i do instead of just enjoying the moment and letting the outcome be what it needed to be i i became very neurotic i developed a pretty serious performance anxiety disorder when it came to being on the ice like a really bad one like i look at it now and i'm like Oof. like i a lot of that stuff like it's crazy again like not a mental health professional um, I'll bring one in and probably maybe break down my, my psyche. I think that actually probably be a cool thing to do. But um, a lot of those things lingered. And for me, that performance anxiety turned and morphed into a 
little bit into a, maybe a lot of bit of depression and it became very, very difficult. Uh, I wasn't myself. I wasn't having fun. Anyone who knows anyone who deals with these kind of things, it's either, it's, you know, if you have it, it's not enjoyable. If you know someone has it, it's, it's really not enjoyable to be around them. And for me, it was really bad. And a lot of those side of the side effects still linger to this day. And that sucks because they just, you know, that's part of life. That's part of these conditions is it, it happens. And so ultimately I didn't deal with it in the very healthy way. Like I, looking back, I should have just went to more sports psychologists or reached out to a doctor and, and did the right thing is whether that be take some time away or seek other expert helps. I had a really good mental coach, Bob Broughton. I say this every time, like he extended my career. Uh, by the time I started working with him, it was probably too late. Uh, but even things like different pharmaceutical interventions that I could have done, like I, I was too, I was too proud to do these things. I thought I didn't need them or I was too tough or whatever the classic. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I just came burnt out and I decided that I didn't think I was adding value to society as a hockey player, even though I look back now, I'm like, man, like hockey, professional hockey players, like, yeah, like it provides a lot of jobs for a lot of people, like all the people that work at the rink and the ring staff, all these things that the entertain, it's an entertainment. So the entertainment business that was created was because the players, but for me, I didn't think that entertainment was a valuable thing for myself. It wasn't, it kind of went a little bit against like my, my values that I had as a person, um, which is stupid because like, I also just like, but I just then enjoyed playing the game that eventually the game wasn't a game. It was a job. But for me, a job is like a, something of service, like why I'm in the healthcare profession. That's why I also coach. That's why I'm trying to do both of those things because I like to give back and contribute and I, I feel and help others, help others get back on the ice or get back in the field, get back in the court or be the best selves on the, on the ice. And so that's for me, the values didn't, didn't intertwine. And I decided that it was time for me to do something else, um, to step away from the game, to, to go back to school, pursue further education. And for me, it was something like, what can I do to contribute to society that is going to make me happy and, and fulfill and I guess fulfill my, my values. And I didn't really know what that was. And these things kind of stumbled and worked themselves into work their way into each other. And now, you know, we are where we are now and I have a career path and I know what I want to achieve. So I'm very, very, very grateful for, for that. And I'm very grateful for the opportunities because it molded me into who I am. And even though there were some very dark times, um, some very not enjoyable times in my hockey career, uh, me crying in a, a cab to my girlfriend at the time, telling her how I w couldn't do this anymore and I wanted to stop playing and I can't handle this. On, and I'm on the way to the airport for getting called up and sent down for the 12th time that year. It was, you know, it, it was hard. And, but that made me who I am. And I think that being able to go through that experience helps me now when I have to help others because I can empathize with that because I have gone through a lot of those experiences. So I think that for me that that's a really, really um, important thing. All right. So another one, uh, this one's about uh, goal, goalie specific. And I say that in quote specific training. Uh, they're like, why does goalie specific training suck? Which is something I said. So going back similar to the VR thing, Doing something is always better than doing nothing. Now, when it comes to goalie specific training, and we say this in the way that I round this, this isn't training for being a goalie. It's doing goalie movements and positions that are mimicking that on the ice. And the role of training or off ice training or dry land training or strength training, strength conditioning training is to become a better athlete and develop athletic traits that are going to transfer into your game. So for goalies, it's going to develop the strength, speed, agility, mobility, power that all athletes need, but we want to have it in a way that's going to transfer over into next. Now, when we, the thing is, is we look at research and we look at literature, there are ways that are better than others 
to say develop explosive power, to develop strength. Um, and so those are the, the, the ways that I, I don't think Ben does a lot of strength training anymore, but the, the way that I will write my strength programs and programming the way I train my athletes are around principles like that versus trying to take a position, so say the butterfly, and trying to strengthen that specific position, you're just not getting the bang for your buck that you could be getting elsewhere. And you have, and it's all about, you know, time and energy. You know, if you want to spend seven hours in the gym and go through a full traditional strength program and then do another goalie specific program, you can, but that's, that is overkill and you're not going to be able to recover and no one has that time. And so you're kind of just spinning your wheels. And so it's more about it. So when you look at training, it's what's going to give me the most adaptation with the, you know, with the least amount of resources, resource being like energy given, um, and time spent in the gym and also like the financial time because training is expensive. And so, and because even if we're say loading up RVH or whatever in the gym, you know, I, I don't really know. Let's just say we're in our VH, our foot's uh, against the rack, and we have a plate in our hand, and we're doing, like, leaning into our RVH and coming out, uh, which I wouldn't recommend just because the position's probably not that great for hips, and we do it a lot. Um, but so what are you trying to strengthen? So you can say, okay, yeah, like, all right, we're strengthening the external rotator, the deep external rotators of the hip, um, and then maybe a little adductor stability of our anchor leg okay but we're not loading our our body that much because it's in a sensitive position so we can't get that type of load that we want and you know that's going to take up 10-15 minutes of gym training time whereas if we do like a barbell lateral lunge or some other similar another exercise that we can load the tissues in a manner that's going to strengthen them, then that matters most because those tissues are going to get stronger. Then when we hop out onto the ice, that's when we create those nervous, uh, the neurological changes that we need to make in order to be our best selves because we're having specific practice. So we want to train our body as specific as possible on the ice, but off the ice, we want to just become better general athletes so that is why i'll say goalie specific training sucks because it's more of just kind of a waste of time compared to other things you could be doing and we say that compared to vr like not yeah i guess you could say vr training sucks compared to just going out on the ice and actually stopping pucks much rather go and stop pucks because it you're going to get the adaptation that you want and that's what we're looking for ultimately is what's going to give us the best adaptation over time and so that's what i'll say that um i had a another thought popped into my head but i um oh yeah another thing with the goalie specific training is it, it, i think it's really funny because all we sort of do as goalies is we talk about how bad our position is for our body yet a lot of times at we when we you know when we go and train that we train that goalie specific way we're just recreating a lot of those positions that are already kind of quote unquote bad for us. So if we're spending so much time in these positions that are bad for us, our body is going to adapt into those positions. So what can we do to counteract that or make ourselves more resilient to that? And oftentimes it isn't going into those positions and jamming it, like, you know, jamming our joints together. It's working in the opposite muscles, working other stability muscles general proprioception, general strength. Um, and just the, that over time will help a lot more with that resiliency than just doing the same thing again and again and again and again and again and again. And again. That's why like you see it now, like every sports manual or textbook you'll ever read talks about diversity of sports, playing other sports, how important that is to develop just general athleticism because that will carry the most, that will have the most amount of carryover uh, long term than than just you know doing like butterflies or whatever on your 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 you know, air X pad like those blue fold pads or 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 whatever. Um, question: What 
this was referring back to a post I made about back squatting. So again, there's a back squat, great exercise for developing leg strength. There's a little bit of core stability strength, but mostly about leg, legs. Just call it spade a spade. Mostly about leg strength. Um, some people will say, I don't want my athletes back squatting. It's too dangerous, blah, blah, blah. Technically, every exercise is dangerous when done incorrectly and done without the proper loading. And back squatting is just one of those same things where you need to do it right and you need to do it with appropriate, lo appropriate load and you need to load it correctly. For me, my philosophy is the ability to do something well under even low load is better than the ability to not do it at all. Now, as human beings, we should be able to squat to squat because that is a normal, I guess you'd say functional pattern, but it's, an, it's a movement and ability that we as humans should be able to do. Um, yeah, that's just a, that's just one of those, I, would, I don't even know what to call it. I'd just say functional for the sake of it. I know someone, you know, Ben's probably punching his steering wheel right now with me saying that. I'm also punching my steering wheel, just saying that. That's why I'm cringing so much. It's a functional movement. Um, and so like being able to squat safely with good, good biomechanics, is really important and i think you know there are different ways to tweak that whether you elevate your heels um in order to facilitate some dorsiflexion or wear um you know weightlifting shoes or or just lower the weight and practice with a barbell practice with just body weight or use a goblet squat for counteracting different um so counterbalancing excuse me so you get in a better body position but i think it's really important um again you don't have to squat but I think it's better to be able to do it safely and train that, especially when you're a young goalie, than if you're an older goalie. Um, and when it comes to like, you know, we always talk about preventing injuries, which you can't prevent an injury. You can kind of decrease the likelihood of an injury occurring. Um, but when again, we talk about goaltending being tough on our body, it's all about forces. It's all about force transfer. Like what can our body take and withstand? If two goalies come to me and they are both equally as talented as goalies but one can squat 400 pounds and one can only squat 100 pounds it is more likely that that goalie that can squat 400 pounds their body has the resiliency to go throughout an entire season and be able to handle all the forces and the adaptations that come with it now is that's you know that's a broad statement and again, it's one of those things that's very difficult to study, but based on just how our body works and how our joints, tendons, ligaments, and muscles, everything, bones are all made up, being able to withstand and control and, and have that ability to, to handle those forces is definitely better than not being able to handle those at all. Same if you're a player. Like if you are strong and you are a strong human being, you are going to be better off because you're going to be able to withstand the forces of a body check and going to the corner. Versus if you are weak and someone hits you, your body's not able to tolerate that force through the joint. And that is when you start to get injured. So that's my philosophy. You can load the body in tons of different ways. Yes. But again, my philosophy is it's better to be able to do something, do it safely, do it properly, than to not be able to do it at all. See how I'm doing on time here. Oh, not too bad. A couple more questions. Um... A lot of them were talking about different like goalies and what's my thought on different goalies. And if you're in the NHL, you're a good goalie. Some goalies in the NHL are better than others. But if you're in the NHL, you are part of the 62 teams, 64, 32 teams, 34 teams, 32 teams. You're part of the 64 best in the world. And it's such a small percentage that, you know, like, who am I to say? My, like, I just, I just critique certain techniques and different save selections and executions. You know, it's not really skill stuff. When I when I watch clips and stuff and like hockey, it's more to take away, like what can I take away and what can I help use to teach my athletes? That is all I care about. Yeah, I don't care, you know, I don't care what UC Saros is doing or how Jake Allen played. It just doesn't, has no influence to me. But I do care about how UC Saros handles this situation because he's a small goalie and I have small goalies. So what is he doing that's helping him in this situation? Is that something that I can try to incorporate in my goalies or is that something that's out of their realm of possibilities? Okay, so it's out of their realm. So what kind of goalie can I look at? Okay, there's I have tons of access to a t HD angles of everything in the NHL. So what's news another small small goalie? Okay, you are Shesterkin. 
smaller goalie, I should say. Um, okay. So different style, very aggressive skater, all these things, blah, 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 blah. Okay, he does this slightly different. I think my goalie can try that. All right, I'm going to put that in the mental toolbox uh, for later if I have this issue. And the thing that I've been working on, and I try to come up with a post with it maybe this week if I get some time to make it uh, or do the voiceover to it, is like having an active hand in the RPH for smaller goalies and knowing when to do that. And the example I use is Sorrows because he's small. And no matter what he does, he's not going to be able to use his body to take away the higher short side. So that's why I watch clips. So I don't really critique NHL goalies on uncertain things. Um, you know, we'll talk about someone being a good skater, a bad skater, a good puck handler, a bad puck handler, or like Merzlikens passing the eye test and stuff like that. And, and that's just, that's just objective things. Like those goalies are not great skaters, but it doesn't mean they're bad goalies, you know, and those goalies are good skaters, but it doesn't mean that they're the best goalies, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's important to realize that those things aren't mutually exclusive. We want to be the best at everything that we can be. But ultimately, if you're the best at stopping pucks, you're going to to be successful. Um, a very common again, I got this one like probably five or six times. It's like advice that you would give. You know, I'm playing you this. I'm playing you that. What? Like, I need some advice. Best advice I can give you is work hard consistently for a very very long period of time. And I, you know, this, I wish I had the three hacks that you need to be the best goalie and the three exercises that you're not doing that's going to change your career and all pro goalies do this. Um, yeah, those are cool on the internet. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll bit I'll clickbait you. I'll probably even clickbait the title of this podcast. Uh, and that's just the way, the way it goes. Because if I can clickbait someone into listening, at least they'll get some valuable information. They might be mad, but is what it is so if you're mad at me let us know in the comments below um but the, those i think that those are the hacks is doing a lot of the hard hard and smart work over a long period of time consistently and not being afraid to change something if it's not broken if it's broken but giving something a lot of effort in order to know if it's not broken so say you're like hey i'm gonna work on being slightly deeper Okay, I tried it for 10 seconds. I didn't like it. Okay, it's broken. I'm not going to do it. That's nah, not like, that's not how that works. You have to try something and be, do your due diligence. Try and try and try and try and try and adjust and tweak and make all the different changes that you can make. And if it doesn't happen, then you really hate it. It's really not working. Okay, hire something else. That's also why it's important to have a coach that knows you and knows you really well and sees you for a long period of time. Uh, you know, like go to like some like, Week-long camps are great, love, great experiences, but you just see a coach for a brief second of time or you don't even see the main coach. You see like a, a younger coach um, and you see them once and they give you information that could be helpful, but you have, it's, I think just have, you need to have that repetitive feedback uh, from a coach in order to make sure that the changes you're making are implementing. And that's why I like, you know, sometimes parents will ask me, be like, Hey, Jamie, like, should we go to your camp this summer? Or should we do your private training? And I say, I would say the money that you're going to put into the camp, spread that out across private training. So it's much better. You'll have much better development over a long term because I can see you more on a week to week, uh, a week to week time frame and make changes versus a once a year time frame to make changes. And then the same thing is like, you know, in the EGM program I run, the goalies, we meet every week. Uh, or every Sunday we watch video and that way I can see those changes and see that up to date, keep that up to date. And so that's again, why I, I like that. Um, well, funny enough, talking about depth question, how do I play deeper? Which is, again, this is one of those ones where it's like, how do I make more glove saves? It's, you just kind of have to do it. Um, same with like, Hey, how do I, like my angles are bad yet. Yeah, you have to just get a lot of reps with good like where your angles are correct and having someone correct you when your angles are off so that you understand where you are in the net same thing goes for depth you just have to try to play a little bit deeper uh so best to do it in practice is you know start deep and then if you are noticing that you are drifting out quite a bit back up you know you're playing the power play drills or penalty kill drills are the best way to do it okay so you play the penalty kill 
try to play a little bit deeper. Okay, you notice you're too deep. All right, well, that's way too deep. Okay, you notice that, all right, my, I can only see the white. That's uh, a little too aggressive. Back up, back up, back up. And it just takes time and repetition. And then over time, so if you're a young goalie and say you're 12, uh, the goalie that's this, I don't know how old they are. So let's say you're 12, you know, by the time you're 22, you're going to know where you are in your net for the most part, hopefully. But that's 10 years from now. And by the time that you're 15, you're going to be three years better than you were today. And you're going to know where you're going to you're have a lot better spatial awareness in your net than you do today. So don't get frustrated. Just keep trying it. Again, if you have access to a coach to have them correct you, um, the, advice, the advice I would give you to coaches is don't do the classic. I made this mistake a ton where like they come out and they're set and they're off angle and you like tell them to shift their glove, they shift to their glove, you use their hand and move to one side or the other. And then you shoot. No, just make them do it again. Just go, go back and do it again. Go back and do it again. I think it's one of the big things that I changed in my coaching where if they're off angle. It's like, do it again. You're giving up too much glove. Or just, I don't even say you're giving up too much glove or blocker. I say, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Until they figure out, okay, that's right. And then eventually they're, they're going to start to figure out, okay, when the puck's here and I'm here, that's the correct angle. And it's all about your brain just understanding where you are in relation to the puck and the net and, and kind of that, that, that it would be an uncut, I don't want to be conscious. Well, it would definitely be a conscious process, but with a little bit of unconscious elements kind of sprinkled, sprinkled in there. Um, toe ties or bungees, doesn't matter. Again, doesn't matter. Does not matter. Whatever you want. Whatever you're most comfortable with. I like toe ties, but I wore bungees. And I really liked playing in bungees. And I had no problem with my RVHs getting them wrapped around the post and pushing off. Um, I just felt when the bungees came out, like that's how old I am. Bungees were coming out when I was, was still playing. Uh, I didn't like them at first. And then when I got my Bowers, uh, I started wearing them. The ones that just came stock. And... I was like, okay, I kind of actually like really like these. I feel like it has a lot more control and, and, you know, I get that little bit of extra oomph and I like that there's a elastic tension around the post when I'm in the RVH. Like I like that. Um, but also like I have no problem with laces. So it's just, it, it's whatever works for you. It's same with like equipment stuff, like whatever works for you. Um, I like Bauer equipment. You know what I like? I like CCM chest protectors quite a bit. And I like true skates. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. That's that's usually what I like. And I try to steer my goalies into those if they ask. If they ask. Now, I have some goalies that'd be like, hey, I want to wear true. What's the best specs for me? Now, that is really cool. And I think we could actually probably do a whole episode on that. Because I just gave recommendations to one of my goalies, uh, a younger guy, U15 goalie, who's switching to true. But he's super flexible, like so, or his butterfly is so incredibly wide and stuff. But the pads he's wearing right now is not giving him, like, are not optimized, I say that, optimized or the best pads in order to fit his style. So I actually, I have another goal, an older goalie um, that plays like him. And so I reached, I texted him and I was like, what's your specs? Because I have a goalie, I think that would be like a really good pad style for them. And so... That's cool because you can kind of design your pads and the structure around your body mechanics, your your bot your biomechanics and your biomechanics and your bot just your body structure and the way your body works. I don't know. I'm just drawing a blank on that one. Um so you can you can tailor your equipment around that. Mainly the pads. Gloves or gloves are the same, but you can talk about like different breaks and stuff. That usually comes from comfort. Blocker, uh just get a bower blocker, it's the best blocker ever. It is so incredibly hard, and it just doesn't break down that hard, that well, or it doesn't break down that quickly. Just get a power blocker. Doesn't matter what other gear you're wearing. You can do wear whatever you want. Just get a power blocker. Uh, pads, though, you get that creative freedom to work around like your flexibility and your limb length and and your knee your knee height to shin ratio and all that stuff. I mean, that's really really cool. Um, well, that's it. I don't have any other questions. Um, the, all the other ones were kind of answered one way or the other. So I hope you enjoyed this like little Q and a tendy talk kind of thing. Um, I appreciate everyone for listening and, and watching again, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, hopefully you enjoyed 
the the skate uh, that I put up as the video on this, as I couldn't I couldn't record any any video of me talking on this one. Um, Patreon again, patreoncom Phillips helps a ton. It does support the pod. I say it supports me, but like the pod does cost us money to do, and I use the money from Patreon to help with the pod. So they actually pay all the pod. So that's so I appreciate everyone that subscribes. You do get to listen to these episodes early. Uh, you get all the other content and stuff that I'm throwing out there, like all the good, the good stuff. Uh, also, you know what? I haven't really thought this. The EGM program. Going to do a launch. Going to open up some more spots. I've talked about a little bit of Instagram uh, on the wait list, but probably with the next couple of weeks or two, I can open it up to everybody, go through the application process, get uh, goalies dialed in now and prepped during the playoff into tryout time and then into the off season is going to be the goal of this phase. I only open up spots. I used to do it quarterly, but now I think I'm just even opening it like twice a year at this point. So biannually, semi-annually. Anyways, it's a great program. Uh, everything you need, strength training, mobility, video work. There's mental training for other mental coaches or from mental coaches in there. Nutrition, breakdown, access to every video I've ever made um, in terms of like all the drills, all the this, all the that. Um, crazy amount of content. And you get access to that. Uh, weekly calls with NCAA pro call, like just said that. Junior, AAA, prep school, goalies, North American, European goalies, everywhere we all meet, we talk, you know, friendships develop. So that is my shameless plug for that. But I am really proud of that program and I'm super proud of the results it gets. Uh, I have like four text messages on my phone from goalies talking about how well they did this weekend and some talking about how, you know, they lost for nothing, but they had 60 shots. Yeah, they're not happy they lost, but I'm happy that I'm like, hey, four on 60, pretty good. Now, what can we improve? Let me watch that video. Let's watch it together. Okay, here's what we're doing. Here's the game plan for this week. Let's hit the ground running. So thanks to everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see everybody next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.